0: Welcome to the Victory Family Worship Center podcast. If you have any questions, you can email us at thevictory.tv at gmail.com. Good to see everybody today. So glad you're here. I've got a message for you today. I think you're going to get something out of it. Uh, got a lot of stuff. I wanna, before I get started, I want to tell you a story. Now, I have to tell you that Friday night I had to sit my wife down and I had to say, Amy, I have to tell you something because I'm going to tell a story in church and I haven't ever told you this story, so I need to do you the courtesy of telling you this first. And I kept this from her for about 23 to 24 years. little secret, yeah, it's not good. Um, it happened back in '97 or '98 in Plainview, Texas, and our uh, our son had been just he had not been born long. <laughs> He was born in ninety seven, so you know it was just he was a couple years old, um, somewhere in there, one years old. I'm not even sure how old he was, but um, for whatever reason, Amy and my daughter were gone, and I had the boy for the day, and uh, we were going to go do something. We were going to go somewhere, and uh, so I took him out into the pickup. I had a four door pickup, a Dodge, uh, um, and, and so um, we, we I went out and I buckled him into his car seat. He was in the back seat because that's what you're supposed to do, right? Buckle him in, car seat, back seat, all of those good things. So I buckled him in, cinched him up real good tight, made sure everything was in place right, got in and drove away. Now in plain view, you gotta go down this highway and then to get onto the freeway and get over the freeway, you gotta make a hard right and then a hard left. For whatever reason, maybe I'm going too fast, I don't know. Uh I don't I don't know what happened, but I made that hard right and hard left and the seat rolled over the car seat with my son in it rolled over, it fell over, and then it began to fall over like that into the car seat with him facing down, you know, dangling like this. <laughs> And um, I had to gain. Con- I had to reach over, you know, and grab the car seat and hold it and get to a stop, and you know, and then I had to reposition everything. And and, and you know, I quickly grabbed and you know got it all under control. Um, you know, and I quickly realized that I hadn't buckled Kagan into the car seat. I would buckled him into the car seat, but I hadn't buckled the car seat down. Now, there's kind of two revelations that came out of that. Y'all think that's funny, but one time in his church in his carrier, like these folks have you carry the baby in, I was showing him off to the church and didn't have him buckled either and almost dumped him in the floor. So this is not my first rodeo. (laughs) But I got two revelations out of this incident. One, you have to buckle your car seat down to a firm foundation. Amen, parents? The other thing is I wondered is I wondered how long I had been driving like this. And I was thinking about this incident this week and I was kind of mulling it over and kind of laughing about it and, 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 you know, and I want to ask you the same question, what are the areas in your life where it looks like you're buckled down but deep down inside you're not buckled down to a base, you're not buckled down to a foundation, you're not buckled down to a root system. You know, there's so many areas in our life, sometimes where we, we're, we're buckled into the church, but we're not buckled down to the foundation of God's Word. And so we're in week two of this series, and I'm just basically calling It's My Life. It's My Life. Some, some of you are going to Bon Jovi right now as we speak. But um, this series is about learning how to think right so that we can live right. And how to take our life back and, und- and get it under control. Learning how to root out dysfunction and getting rid of stuff in our lives that's unhealthy and unproductive. And, and, and get rid of those habits and relationships and that toxic way of thinking. And, and this is not just surface level stuff. Because I think it's so easy to get in life and just go, 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 and be busy, 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 and go here and go there and do this and do that, and, 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 and we never stop to take a quick check to see if we're buckled down properly, if we're buckled down tightly and secure. Is that thing that you're buckled into buckled down <laughs> And because if you, you can look good on the surface, but deep down you can still be a mess. You can still not have an anchor. You can still not have that foundation. We don't want to just, I don't want you to just have a good year. I don't want to just have, I don't want you to just have a good decade. I want you to sustain. I want you to last forever. I want you to make it to heaven. And I want Jesus to say, well done, good and faithful servant. And so, you know, when we stand before him, we want him to applaud us and say, you did a good job, and that's what we're trying to do. We're trying to take back control of our lives. Because so many of us, is, we have given control of our lives to something, and that something is not bringing joy into us. It's not sustaining us long term. It's dragging us down. Many of you are being tested on many levels. We've all been tested. (coughs) I mean, 2020 is the year, we thought it was the year to see clearly and vision, but it's the year of test. We've been going through tests. We're all being tested. And we need to get ourselves to a place where we can say, I'm passing the test. I may not be knocking it out of the park, but I'm not failing either. I'm passing the test. I'm making it. And, and the Bible, uh, you know, says that God doesn't test us to destroy us. God tests us to prove the work in us that he's capable of doing deep down inside of our hearts. Uh, so if you have your Bibles, go to Matthew chapter 6. I'm going to open up a can of worms for you, and we're going to get into this. And I want you, I'm calling this service Simply Focus. Everybody say Focus. Uh, um, when I say focus, I'm trying to conjure up those images, conjure up your imagination of, you know, when things are out of focus, it's kind of like looking through a telescope, uh, or looking through binoculars, or looking through a camera, and, and you're trying to focus, and, and you're trying to turn, and, and you know, you, you go this way a little bit, and then that way a little bit, and you're looking for that sweet spot where it's finally that refreshing moment where you can see clearly, And so that's what we're talking about when I say focus. What are you focus on? When I talk about focusing, you know, it's it's so easy to think about just turning the knob. And that's what that's as simple as it is. Because it is so important in our spiritual walk and in our lives. Everything we see is important. It's so important. Just like everything you say, words that come out of your mouth, they speak life or death. That's a whole cursing. You can curse things. You can curse your family. You can curse your own life with the words. Words are important, but seeing is just as important. It's just as important. And, 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 and how we respond to the things we see. And so literally Jesus gave this sermon on a mount, Matthew chapter 6, verse 22, Um I want you to read it. I I think it's on the board. Uh, The Word of God says this. The eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are unhealthy, your whole body will be full of darkness. And then the light within you is darkness. How great is that darkness? I'll give you kind of an example To what I'm talking about There was a guy Back when I lived in Plainview There was a guy that I knew I was an acquaintance with him And he was a really good artist I mean one of the best Freehand graphic artists I've ever seen in my life He literally painted cars He painted trailers He painted race cars He painted everybody And and he was so intricate And so good He did everything freehand And he he didn't just paint cars He painted graphics on them I mean I mean Intricate graphics it was like it, it just it'll blow you away. He paints helmets, whatever you want to bring him mailboxes, he'll paint graphics on them and it, it's just it's just phenomenal the work that he does and he painted this one particular car and 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 there was um flames all over it, real intricate small flames beautiful car i mean it, it, you think of flames and i think of hot rods and just you know turns me off but this is a beautiful car it was just it, it, flames starting at the front going to about the midway down the car and just beautiful and uh, and and i'd seen that car 10 or 12 times i don't know a lot of times and just see that car and look at the flames and i was like man that is a work of art And and one day, this one particular friend of mine, we were looking at the car, and I made comment of the car, and and I said, "Those flames are beautiful." And he says, "Yeah, it's cool, but did you ever see the skulls in it?" I'm like, "What?" He says, "Yeah, have you ever seen the hidden image?" And and, and I'm I'm not here. Look, I'm not saying nothing about skulls. I'm talking about the art. And he says, "You need to look closely at that." So I went and I looked real closely at that flame, and in every little spin and every little squiggly line, there were skulls in it. And and it, like I'm just like stunned. I don't know if he was painting skulls that look like flames, or if he was painting flames to look like skulls. I, I don't know. The point is, is I never saw the skulls. Never saw that. I just saw the flames. It's kind of like, have y'all ever been back in? the 80s or 90s when you're walking through the mall and they have those things out in the middle and they're called stereograms or whatever and they're those funky pictures and you got to just like focus in to see the the dolphins or whatever. Y'all know what I'm talking about? Anybody do that in the mall? I'd spend 30 minutes there trying to see it. I'm like, I don't see it. But anyway, uh, um, the truth of the matter is my point is we don't always see the full story. We see what we want to see. And because that's true, we mistake much of the reality that we assume is there for what we want to be there. Let me explain it like this. Stephen Covey, he wrote a, he's a leadership guru, and he, he, he wrote a book, uh, the leadership book, The Seven Habits of a Highly Effective People, and he wrote this, and I quote, he said, We see the world not as it is, but, as we are, or as we're conditioned to see it, because the truth is reality is made up of mostly what we cannot see. the Bible teaches that God angels demons the e- eternity all, you know everything that we're unable to see it, it, you know be, we're unable to see it because of a fallen state, so we need to learn to what we need to do is learn to uh, see the spiritual or or see the unseen and you know let god open our eyes you know what we can see now what we can spin now what we can taste now what we can handle now all these things are passing away what we can see now and handle now is all going to be gone uh, but what we cannot see is going to last forever <coughs> it's the unseen realm that is eternal And so what we need to ask is, what are my blind spots? What are my blind spots that I'm blind to spiritually? What am I missing? Because I'm not focused on what Jesus wants me to focus on. What are the squiggly lines in my life that I'm not seeing Because I'm not connecting the dots because I'm just seeing what I want to see on the hood of the car in life. What is the hidden picture behind what I'm really seeing? It's kind of like, we all know that we are what we eat, right? Come on now, we are what we eat, right? You take it in and it becomes a part of you, (laughs) right? And, and and it comes into us and it becomes a part of us. And the truth is, uh, we are also what we see and the way we see it. David knew this, and that's what he said in Psalms 101. He said, I will set nothing wicked before my eyes. He said, I hate the work of those who fall away. It shall not cling to me. And so, what David's saying is, we need to be careful about what we're seeing. We need to be careful about what we watch. We need to be careful about what we're taking in, not through just our ears, but through our eyes. What movies I'm watching. You know, I don't know how many times I, I sit there on an afternoon and I waste so much time trying to find a movie I can watch. And I say, oh, this will be a good one. And I'm watching it and I get about 15 minutes into it and all of a sudden there's scenes and there's graphics that I don't want my eyes to see. So I turn it off and I go find another movie. And I got to try to find another. And it's exhausting trying to find a movie that I can watch. What am I bringing into me through my eyes that I should be Shunning. Now stay with me, lean into this because I'm going to show you some truth here. David said this in Proverbs, he said you need to shun evil things, shun the wicked things. And it's not just the bad things, it's not just the bad things that get in your life. We learned last week that it's not just being bad that it's a problem, it's being busy that's a problem too. And so perhaps there's things that we're watching that aren't wicked, they're just worthless. You ever think about that? They're not wicked. They're just not helping us either. They're just a distraction from where God's trying to get us to be. It's just taking a lot of time. It's just worthless time that's spent. I I mean, for me, and I'm not throwing my convictions out on you, but for me, it's social media. (laughs) I mean, it's just a distraction. It's worthless uh, for me to spend that much time when I can be in God's Word and focusing on something else. Psalms 119.37, David said, turn, uh, turn my eyes from worthless things and revive me again in your ways. So God wants us not to just avoid wicked, wicked things, but also stay away from worthless things. Things that are just holding us back. Things that are just numbing our minds. Things that are just dis- taking too much time out of our life. You know, We've heard it says, the eyes are the windows to the soul. How many of you have ever heard that? Y'all ever heard that the eyes are the windows of your soul? I can look at some of you right now, and I can tell what's going on. The eyes are the windows to your soul. Some of you are filled with joy right now. Some of you are hurting. Some of you are in pain right now. The eyes are the windows of your soul. Your eyes tell everything. Jesus put it this way: the eyes are the lamp to the body. They are the lamp of the body, and what that means is what you see will impact you. What you see, what you make sense of in reality, and, and, and that you're, the reality that you're living in, the story that you're writing for your life, by your vision, your, your spiritual vision, or your lack of spiritual vision, impacts your life. It's like getting up in the middle of the night. How many of you have ever gotten in the middle of the night out of your bed and you're trying to walk through uh, the dining room and trying to get to the kitchen and try to get something to drink? And you're walking through, and 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 you think you know your house. I think I know my house, but it's dark. My eyes are kind of adjusted to the dark. I can kind of see in the dark. But you're walking, and you think you're taking the right steps, and you think you're going the right direction. And all of a sudden, no, oh, there's the coffee table, and it busts your shin. And, and and then you're trying to limp into the next room, and oh, you body check, you arm check the door frame. How many you've ever done that? <laughs> He's like, I should have just stayed in bed. <laughs> And, and, and because it was all because there wasn't enough light, it took a toll on our bodies. And you couldn't see where you were going. But there's another way for you to run into something too. And that is when you're walking through a room and there is enough light All the lights in the house are on, but your eyes are not working properly. Your eyes are not focused on where you're walking. Your eyes are focused on something else. There's literally all this light, but you still stub your toe on the bottom of the bed frame. How many of you have ever done that? You broke your stinking toe because you were looking. You just weren't looking where you were walking. And you try not to say anything that's unpleasing to God, and you just... And that's what Jesus is saying. He's saying, there's plenty of light, but the light in you is dark. You're not seeing everything. You're not focused. And if your eyes aren't working, it doesn't matter how much light's in there. If your eyes aren't receiving that light and you're not using that light, it'll end up being bad for your body. You might stub your toe on something, spiritually speaking. If your eyesight is out of focus, that's to say that you're living a dark life. The light is there, but there's darkness inside. You're living a dark life. You're living a vindictive life. You're living a petty life. You're living an anxious life. You're living a worried life. If you're living a life that's full of mistrust and full of greed and full of jealousness, you know, your vision, how you see things because that darkness is in you, how you see things is going to be changed. The reality of how you look things is going to impact your body. It's going to impact you. It's going to impact your life. It's going to impact your kids. It's going to impact your family. There's light, but inside there's no light. There's darkness. Your vision, how you see things, it's not going to just affect everything about your body. It's going to affect everything about your health, and it's going to affect everything about your relationships. And so when we talk about being blind and seeing, you know, I know our, mi- our mind automatically goes to the salvation moment. You know, the Paul moment. When Paul hated Christians and he hated Jesus and he said, I was blind. And, and, you know, and then God zapped him and bam, he could see now and the scales came off his eyes. And he could see her. He could see differently. Uh, you know, when we talk about spiritual blindness, most of the time we think about Paul's experience. I was blind, but now I see. But what we're forgetting is it's not always so clean and cut. I was lost, but now I'm found. I was blind, but now I see. But I believe there's stages of blindness. There's stages to seeing, like stages of growth. And so don't mistake what I'm saying. I, I'm not saying, there is has to be that moment where you call on the name of Jesus and make Jesus your Lord. And there has to be that moment where Jesus becomes into you and becomes the light of your life. Don't mistake. Don't mistake what I'm saying, but I believe, I think that there's also degrees of blindness, spiritual blindness. And I think our emphasis on that moment, when we get saved, you know, and when, you, when you gave your life to Christ, you once you know, that re- amazing grace, you know, I, once was, I was a wretch, but now I'm loved, and I was blind, but now I see. Um, it, w- the, we think about that moment, but we can forget about the fact that once we were saved and once we were forgiven, there are still areas where we have blind spots. There's still areas where we're growing and we're we're trying to see more clearly. Uh, and we're trying to see those in those dark corners of our lives. There's still areas where we're not seeing correctly. There's things right in front of us. Like on the hood of the car that we're not seeing. We're just not seeing it. Because we, we, I listen, I had to focus. I had to really dig in. I had to wipe the stuff out of my eyes. I, oh, you're right. They're, they're there. And that's what Jesus spiritually speaking wants to do to your life. He wants to open it up so you can see. Fortunately for every one of us, whatever area of your life, whatever area of your life is holding you back right now, the 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 whatever's holding you back from making that progress in your life and keeping you from moving forward, whatever that is, Jesus came so that those unhealthy People with unhealthy vision would receive light and see better. And those of you who have already received some sight, you're going to receive some more sight. And those of you that have already received some light over the last few years, you're going to receive more sight. Those of you that have been walking for Jesus for 50 years and growing in His grace, guess what? You're going to see some more light. You're going to even see more light. Uh, There's more in store for every one of you. You're not done. I don't care how old you've been walking, how long you've been walking with Jesus. You're not finished. There is more of God's grace. God wants to expose you to more of His glory. God wants you to expose you to more of His faith. Face. He wants you to push in. God even wants you to see more inside of you to see what you're capable of doing. There's more people for you to touch. There is more for God to entrust you with. There's more God wants to do through you. God wants to bless you more. God wants none of us have arrived. God wants to increase you more, and, and He wants to cause His face to shine upon you. As long as we're living in this fallen world where there's natural disasters displacing hundreds and thousands of people and killing people, as long as there's disease that's ravishing this world, as long as there are people who are living in anxiety and fear and depression and anger, as long as there's teenagers who are not eating because they think they have to lose weight, teenage girls because they want to look like the other girls on TikTok, as long as there's people that are going to schools and shooting up schools for no reason, as long as there's stuff going on in this world where people are dying I'm telling you there needs to be more Christians that are ready to rise up and do something about it rise up, share the love of God share the hope of God share the kindness of God share the grace of God and make a difference in your workplace make a difference in somebody's life make a difference at your school I'm telling you that God wants you to see more God wants you to see clearly. God wants you to be aware of the fact that you don't see all that there is to see right now. God wants you to see it. There are areas of your life where there's an unhealthy aspect of eyesight, blind spots in our vision. And God wants you to help you tap into the fullness of that vision. That's why he came here. That's why he came to this earth. So that we could see clearly, and if you don't think that's what Jesus came for, listen. Listen to His mission statement in Luke chapter four, verse eighteen. This is Jesus's mission statement. He said He came. He is anointed uh, to bring the gospel to the poor, to heal broken hearts, uh, uh, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and watch this, and recovery of sight to the blind. And set a liberty those who are oppressed. Now uh, that vision is not just a one-time. He's not just talking about. He is talking about, but it's not just talking about the one-time salvation moment. It's not just talking about physical blindness. Recovery of sight of the blind, I believe it's talking about a constant, ongoing act by which our eyes are healed in, in, in areas, and we're beginning to see healthy, and we're beginning to see things through the eyes of Jesus. Uh, Jesus was standing up on the Sermon of the Mount, and he saw the people, and the Bible says he, was, he looked at them, looked at them, looked at them through his eyes, and he was moved with compassion. And I believe that should be all of our prayers is, God, help me see through the eyes of Jesus. Help me look at this fallen world through the eyes of Jesus. Help me see my workplace through the eyes of Jesus. Let me help me see my neighbor through the eyes of Jesus. Help me to see what's going on in their life. And that you know, has anybody ever been punched in the eye or poked in the eye? Let me see your hands. Can anybody see my hand right now? How many fingers am I holding up? I'll tell you the story. I was playing basketball in high school. Uh, Melrose Buffaloes, yeah. And um, I don't for whatever reason I was going through the going through the lane, going to get a rebound. You know, I'm running full speed. I can remember it kind of. Been a, been a few years, been a minute, but it's <laughs> I still remember. I, I was going there, I going to, and, and I was running, and 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 there was another guy, and whatever 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 happened, I don't know, but my eye collided with somebody else's finger, and I can't even begin to describe what it felt like. I've been poked in the eye, but this is one of those moments where I was really poked in the eye, so bad that I kind of lost my vision, I fell down I couldn't see uh, um I, I i just couldn't open the eyes. It's one of those deals where you just squint so bad and you're just holding them like that, and it just hurts so bad and uh, I mean you know not only the eye got poked, but the other eye hurt too it just it hurt. And it makes you grind your teeth, you know, and uh, and so it was just. I went to the ground, and I I had to be helped off the floor, and um you know they helped me to the locker room because I couldn't see. I, there ain't no sitting sitting on the bench because I was done. Uh, um, it was blackout, lights were out, and, and um, uh, they're just both slammed shut, and I w- sat out third, fourth quarter, never returned. I'm sitting there the entire time on this. They helped me up on some kind of. What they call trainers' tables, but it was more or less just a hardwood table. Um, ice on my face, wet towels, just trying to that pain. And eventually helped me, someone helped me get home and I made it home and yeah, I just went to bed and it just hurt, hurt, hurt. And I'm just basically the next day was just a blur. Couldn't see anything, and big old black eye and you know, bruise and blood vessels and and um it took the rest of the weekend. That was a Friday. It took the rest of the weekend to recover from that, being poked in the eye. But let me, let me tell you this. When your eye is hurting, it impacts your entire body. <laughs> it hurts your entire body. And, and I can testify that what Jesus is saying here, if your eye is unhealthy, your whole body doesn't feel right. If your eye is unhealthy, your whole body, I, I mean, it impacts your whole life because you're not seeing like you're meant to see. But here's the cool thing. The human eye is capable of adjusting. God designed us. He said just an awesome job of designing. For about a week or so after the fact, after being poked in the eye, any time I would close the good eye and, and shut out some of the light, everything was blurry because I was looking through the bad eye. But when I looked out of both eyes, amazingly enough, things were pretty clear because the brain adapts. It, it brain adapts. It, your brain knows how to turn that focus knob to adjust your right side to make things more clear. Because God made us pretty resilient. Because I know back in the early 80s, you know, we didn't go to the doctor and we didn't have ophthalmo, ophthalmologists. Um We didn't have that kind of thing. We just suck it up, you know. <laughs> I broke my fingers one time, and they swelled up as big as a balloon, and everybody's all the coaches are, ah, just dislocate a little bit. Let me pull on that a little bit, you know. <laughs> I still can't bend them fully because they were broken. <laughs> so your brain knows how to adapt. Your brain knows how to adapt. But that's the danger. That's the danger. Because you might not be seeing areas of your life spiritually where you're settling less for than what God has for you. You think you're seeing clearly, but and so you think everything's fine. But there's more. But since we're seeing okay because everything's adapting, we don't think we need any more. We, we think we're fine. We're doing fine. People sit in the services every Sunday and say, I'm doing fine, Pastor. I don't need to come to the altar call. I don't need no prayer. Because we're brains adapting we're seeing okay, but there's spiritual blind spots all around us. You might even hear this message and go, I I don't need, I I don't even see. You might be that one that's sitting here and saying, Pastor, I don't even see spiritually. I don't even know what you're talking about. Well, that might be the problem. (laughs) Others of you are going, you're going to be tempted to say, I'm fine, Pastor, I'm fine. I don't need anything. And if that's your approach, Jesus is not going to do anything. (laughs) So, but those are willing, according to John chapter 9, those of you that are willing, here in just a moment, we're going we're to have some music and we're going to pray. And those of you that are willing and th- will admit that you have some blind spots, Jesus has a lot more in store for you. Jesus has a lot more in store for you. So I hope you're not the one saying, you know what, I don't need this message, Pastor, but maybe there's someone in my life that maybe needs it some more, so I'm going to pass it on, you know. And, and I'm going to say, listen, don't shun this message. Don't shun this message. Maybe there is somebody in your life that needs it more, but it's like in an airplane, an oxygen mask. you got to put the oxygen on yourself and save yourself before you can help anybody else. So don't shun this. I hope for all of us today, we're praying, going, God, please help in my eyes. Help me to see better, Uh, spiritually speaking. Are there blind spots? I don't even know it, God, but I want you to show me where those blind spots are. God, I don't want to be content on just getting by. I don't want to be content on just having a good year. I I don't want to be content. I want to see everything that you have for me. God, if you can touch the other eye, I want you to do it. I want you to bring it to you. I want you to bring total healing. I want you to bring deliverance into my eyes. I, I, want you to, I, I want everything that you have for me. What are my blind spots? What is that car seat that I look buckled into, but it's not buckled down? Help me, God, to see more clearly. Um, when you talk about seeing and you talked about ophthalmologists, being poked in the eye and eye injuries and stuff like that. Uh, you know, you can't help but think about ophthalmologists and tests. How many of you enjoy going to ophthalmologists ophthalmologist and doing all those t- eye tests? I hate them. I, I hate them. I mean, they dilate your eyes. They squirt that air into your eyes and all that stuff. I can't stand it. You know, they always have to do it over and over because I jerk, man. I can anticipate it. And I don't want that stuff going on. I don't like it but if you if you go to the ophthalmologist well, I I got to go once a year because even now I you know uh, as an example I've got contacts in and they're multifocal meaning one eye's here and one eye's out here but the brain knows to bring all that if I throw one of those out I ain't going to see none of your faces it's that easy but I can see the words fine cuz I can see up close fine but I can't see back there fine but so they make one eye see here, and one I see here, and and the brain brings it in clear. It's amazing. So anyway, when you hang around the Autonomist and you ask questions like I do, you begin to hear these words and pick up on these words. And one of the first words, if you're taking notes, write this down, and I want to talk about I want to talk about five words for the rest of our time real quickly. The first word is pressure. Pressure. There's pressure inside of your eyeball and normally your eyes should have between 10 and should be between 10 and 20 as they do a pressure check now i'm not even pretending to be an ophthalmologist but i just ask questions and when they tell me when the pressure reaches 50 or more you're going to get physically sick it's going to make you physically sick Ear problems are the same way. When there's pressure behind the ear, and I know this all too well, I, I get ear aches all the time. I get ear when there's pressure behind the ear, it it makes you get vertigo and it makes you, throws your equilibrium off. I mean, I rode in a helicopter not too long ago and they had these stupid little headphones on us and they had this music going on and this talking going on and there was a short in the cable and it kept going from stereo to mono, stereo, mono, stereo, mono. And it made me sick to my stomach. I got vertical. I had to take the stupid things off. And it's the same way with seeing, it's the same way with pressure in your eyes. When your eye is messed up, you're going to get sick. And when I, when I got poked in the eye for 24 hours in bed, everything was dark, completely disoriented, confused. I could barely get up. I didn't want to eat anything. I was sick. I didn't feel good because I had pressure in my eyeball. And it really messes you when you have pressure. And I wished I could tell you how much pressure, because I never went to the ophthalmologist. that didn't do that back in the 80s. Uh, but I, there was a lot of pressure. I could just feel it. Trust me, there was pressure. <laughs> pressure. We live in a world of pressure. We live in a pressure cooker, did we not? We live in a pressure cooker. We're bombarded with the pressures, pressures, stress, for lack of a better word. We're we're bombarded with the pressure to perform, the pressure to succeed, peer pressure for young people, pressure in school, pressure in sports, pressure in the family, pressure in politics. We have pressure when we're posting things. Every aspect of our life is pressure we have and we're always going to deal with pressure here's my question how do you how do you, what, what 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 do you do when you feel pressure what do you do when you feel pressure do you freak out do you worry do you stress do you obsess over it and then do you just let the stressful things and the pressure thing, the pressure cooker, do you just let it run around in your head and run all over in your mind until you're almost into a downward spiral? Maybe you handle pressure, maybe you medicate the pressure. Oh, I feel the pressure. I'm gonna, I'm gonna have to do something to alleviate the pressure. I'm gonna alleviate. Alleviate the pressure with this drug or that drug. I'm going to alleviate the pressure with uh, overeating and binge eating and uh, impulse shopping and uh, alleviate the pressure with mindless entertainment. I've got to take my mind off the stress, the pressure. Or are you one of those person people who worship and thrive? and evolve, and, and go to your secret place, and, and grow spiritually, and listen to, to God's voice, do you do the things you need to do to build up the pressure inside of you? Because I'm just going to tell you, if it's like a submarine. If you put a submarine in, in the bottom of the ocean, that submarine is going to get crushed like a tin can if there's not any pressure on the inside. That's why they pressure. That's why they, they teach those submarines, they teach those sailors to deal with pressure. Because they have to pressure the inside of that submarine or it's going to get crushed. And that's why uh, it says in 1 John 4.4, 4, it says, Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. The pressure that's coming, the pressure that's coming just wants to squeeze you and choke you out. you got to have the pressure of God that's pushing back. And, and, and so, you, you listen, you can't do anything about the fr- pressure you face. You're going to face pressure. You're going to face stress. There is pressure and you're going to experience it and you're listen, the solution isn't try to try to get rid of the external pressure. The solution is try is to try to build up the inward pressure. <laughs> with the power of the Holy Spirit and inward pressure that comes from being filled with God's Spirit. The Bible says, be continually filled, be, be filled with the Spirit. And if you do the translations, it's going to teach you and you're going to show you, if you looked at the words, it's a continually thing. It's not a one-time experience. You need that Spirit of God. You need that uh, that that continually filling of the Holy Spirit. Um, that's why Jesus, was in, in all four of the Gospels, he retreated every time to the Garden of Gethsemane. He would always go to his secret place before the pressure of the day began secret place before that crazy meeting happens the secret place before that crazy trial takes place secret place everybody knew where to find Jesus he was always in the secret place he's always in the secret Judas even knew where to find him because he was always go there with his disciples Jesus Jesus says, hey let's go Jesus is going to be in a secret place let's go to the garden of Gethsemane we'll find him there and then I can betray him Because Jesus always knew, he knew pressure was coming, the pressures of life, the pressure of the job, the pressure of family, the pressure of uh, uh, supporting and all these pressures and Jesus knew he had to get alone to pray. He set the example and he, he frequented, he would go to the Garden of Gethsemane because it was this place where Jesus could pump up the pressure inside of his heart and inside of his soul so that he could deal with the constant pressures of life that he was up against in the world. So, don't try to get rid of the pressure and the stress. It's never going to happen. In this world, you'll have pressure. They wrote songs about pressure. You want me to sing some of them for you? The solution is more pressure. The solution to more pressure in the world is more pressure on the inside from the Holy Spirit. That's the solution. Get to your secret place. Get into that place. Let the Holy Spirit breathe His Word. Breathe His power. Breathe the wind, the pneuma. Let Him breathe into your soul. Pressure is not the problem. The lack of pressure on the inside is the problem. There's another word when you're talking about eyes and ophthalmologists, and that's trauma. Trauma. The actual trauma of the eye. (laughs) You know, when I got poked playing basketball after a few days, uh, after a few days, the physical evidence was gone. No more black eye, no more blood vessels, no more all that. You know, Uh, there was just the lingering impact from the trauma. My eyes were still blurry. There's still some pain on the inside. But if you looked at my eye and you just looked at me, you would never be able to tell that I got poked in the eye because the physical evidence was gone. It was no longer there. But there was still the impact from the trauma. It's kind of like still having like hardships from when you were young. Hardships from growing up. Difficult things that you went through that no one would know just on the surface and just on the outside. But inside you know you went through a traumatic experience when you were growing up. The fact that maybe some of you were abused in some form, may it physical, emotional, sexual, verbal, whatever it is, uh, you would wouldn't never tell from the surface, but on the inside, the trauma's still there. The trauma's still there. The trauma from maybe not having enough money to make ends meet. On the surface, it doesn't look like that pain's there, but there's trauma there. Pain is not visible, but the trauma is there. The fact that maybe some of you went to school and you didn't have lunch money or you didn't, have, uh, uh, you, know, you, just, you didn't have the popular clothes and you looked out of place and you were awkward and you got bullied and there's trauma. There's so many traumatic things in life, many things that we face Jobs, careers, relationships, that we, we go through things and we endure them. And the things that we go through, and the pain and the hurt, uh, the, the pain of losing a loved one. And on the surface, you would never know it, but, but on the inside, you, there's trauma. And the question is, how are we going to allow the trauma to affect us? What is the trauma going to accomplish in our life? Because listen, you can't get hit by a train and not be different. (laughs) You know what I'm talking about? You get hit by a train, you're going to be different. And some of you have been hit by trains in life. Emotionally and spiritually and whatever, you've been hit. And these things in life, the grief, the pain, the hurt, the sexual assault, all of that trauma, whatever it is, the challenge of watching, listen, the challenge of watching your dad pack up a vehicle and, and drive off and didn't want to leave with your family no more. You've gone through hard t- things that and that's trauma and, and that's going to be there and, and that's going to be the Im- that, that impact is there for the rest of your life the question is what will the impact be going what is it going to accomplish will you become a bitter person a jaded person will you be defined by the worst day of your life or will you allow God in to heal that trauma? The scar from the trauma will always be there. But if you let God heal you, that scar, that festering, that ugliness that unhealthy scar, instead God can heal that, and you can wear that scar as a badge of honor of what God did in your life and how he healed your life miraculously and how he healed you spiritually and how he healed emotionally. You can wear that scar as a badge. You can wear that scar as a symbol that God did something victoriously in my life with his mighty hand, and he worked through me. And now, because you've been healed and you've got a badge of armor, a badge of, uh, of honor from that trauma, now you're eagerly and actively looking for people that are going through the similar situations so that you can help them get through it. You can swoop in and comfort them. So you can be impacted by your trauma in a positive way. A lot of us, trying to pre- we try to pretend and live like the trauma didn't happen when that leads to many problems. Masking. Or hiding a deep-seated traumatic problem will never help it heal. And I'll just say we got ways and we, got, we, got, we, we, got, we can help you heal. We can help you get inner healing. I could walk you through some class. I can walk you through some stick and teach you some things. And I, we can get you inner healing. But pretending it's not there and ignoring it and hoping it will go away will not bring healing. It will not go away. Unhealthy, festering, unhealed problems will manifest. They'll bubble to the surface somehow. Somehow they'll bubble to the surface. Whether it's through an addiction, whether it's through pornography when your family goes to bed, whether it's through drugs and alcohol, whether it's through online gambling when everybody away, somehow that pain is going to find its way out. The question is, will you let the f- pain Find its way out in a settled, joy filled, helpful way so that you're changed by what you went through. Changed for the better. Now you're positioned to watch God work in your life in massive ways instead of just sweeping it under the rug. Some people think that the problem, watch, some people think that the problem and the reason. You are the way you are is because of the hard things you went through. I hear that all the time. And I'm just going to let you know that's not true. It's never about the thing you went through. It's always what you see in the thing you went through. How you see the experience you went through. How you see how you were created. It's always about how you see it's always about your perspective. It's always about how you see and how you think about what you went through. Don't pretend the trauma didn't happen. Just let God adjust your focus with a new lens and let him see that, that, that traumatic event. Let him, see, let him help you see it in a new, different light, in a new way of how he can bring glory out of the ashes and grace out of the pain and mercy out of the hurt. Help God to help you see that pain and that traumatic experience differently. Let God have you, let God give you full access into what He's trying to do in your eyes through the hard thing that you faced. Because God always turns trash into triumph. Amen. God always turns trash into triumph. God always turns suffering, the suffering that we face into a story of grace. Always, if you'll allow him. Psalms 147.3 says, God heals the brokenhearted and binds up their wounds. There's pressure, there's trauma, and the third word is focus. Everybody say, Focus. When I got poked in the eye, the next day was crazy. I, I tried to explain this, but the hurt eye was just blurry. Was, you, I look out of the hurt eye and it's just blurry. It was just a blurry mess. The other eye was always trying to focus to make up for that blurry mess. And, and so my eyes were always just trying to focus and according to the light, and, and, and so it was actually, actually like turning the lens of a camera, you know, and you just can't find that sweet spot, you know what I'm saying? You go to a dark room, and it was a little different, you go out into the sunlight, and it was different again, and, and it was just like a constant turning, and then after a, uh, you know, and, but after a few seconds, if you get out in the light, and you stay out there a little bit, after a few seconds, uh, the eye would readjust to the light, and then the good eye would try to focus again. So the good eye was always, it was just working overtime. That was the next day when there was a lot of pressure, when the pressure was high. And the problem was focusing. It just it was trying to, but I just couldn't get there. You know what I mean? I still had to walk around like this <laughs> so I could see really good. Because if I went like this, it was, just, it was just a constant this. And so basically what happened, according to, Later on, later conversations with an ophthalmologist, basically they told me what happened is the eye is stunned. Like stunned. It's like the eye freaked out. That's what happened. It got stunned according to ophthalmologists. ophthalmologist. And so what happens is the eye is stunned and so it kind of tries to reboot itself. And eventually the eye, uh, over some days, a couple of days, the eye started refocusing again because it rebooted itself. And over time, you know, it started to Everything started to be fine. Here's my question, and I want to ask you this. What are you focusing on? What are you focusing on? What are you focusing on? And the reason I bring this up is because I'm going to go somewhere here, and you're going to have to lean into this 10 more minutes and I'm done, but you're going to have to really lean into this point right here. The reason Jesus told this parable of the lamp in Matthew chapter 6, is the fact that he was really trying to teach on money. Right before Matthew 6, verse 22 and 23, our opening scriptures that I've already read to you, Jesus said in verse 20, 21, watch this because this is going to help some of you guys. In verses 20, 21, he said, store up for yourselves treasures in heavens where moths and rust do not destroy And where thieves don't break in and steal, for where your treasure is, there your heart is also. So Jesus immediately, then he goes to, the eye is the lamp of the body. And what Jesus is saying is, your body can't be healthy if you're staring at the wrong things. Your body can't be healthy if your eyes are focused on the wrong things. The one of the, and listen, one of the unhealthiest things that you can stare at is money. If that's where your treasure is, that's where your heart is. That's what you're staring at, that's what you're focused on. Hang with me, lean into this. Because your money is not a good God. Your money can't save you. Your money can buy nice things, but guess what? Your money can't help your marriage. Your money can't help your relationships. Your money can't help you with your addiction. You can go and buy all these, you can go buy uh, rehabs and all this stuff, but your your money can't change anything about your heart. And, And one of the sneakiest things about money and the reason God connects money with being blind and thinking you can see but you can't is because money sins. Let's get good. Money sins, and unlike other sins, you can sin with money without knowing that you're sinning, and that's creepy. That's scary. So that's why he said, Jesus says in Luke chapter 12, he says, watch out. Everybody say, watch out. Watch out for greediness. Watch out for greediness in your life. Now, why would he say that, watch out for greediness? Because he didn't say, watch out for the murder. Watch out for the murder, you know. Most sins that you're committing, you know that you're committing them when you're committing them. Am I right? When you're committing adultery, you know you're committing adultery. <laughs> when you know you're stealing, you know you're stealing. When you know you're lying, you know when you're when you're lying, you know you're lying. But you can accidentally fall into greediness without knowing it. Why? Because there is a deceitfulness to greediness and your eyes will trick you, and all of a sudden you're making unhealthy decisions because you've fallen into greediness. All of a sudden, you're focused on the wrong things. All of a sudden, you're focused on you're giving undue attention, and you're focusing on this and that. You're you're focused on things that cannot bring you joy. You're focusing on things that's that's uh, that you're you're trying to derive your identity from. You're trying to derive your identity from un you know earthly accomplishments and possessions. Uh, you think this is going to make you happy? If I buy this, that's going to make me happy. And if I had what she had, and if I had what he had, that'll make me happy. If I could just afford those things, then. And everything would be alright, I would be happy if I had that I would be happy and and all of those people that you're looking at they're looking at someone else And if I had that I could be happy if I just had this I would be happy everybody's always looking at I don't care how up on the chain you are somebody you're always looking at something because they've fallen in they've watched out because they've stepped into greed greediness there's always bigger fish <laughs> I don't care who you are you always want more if you step into greediness, and that's the deceitfulness of rich, richness, richness, riches. And so what you spend your money on reveals values. What you spend your money on actually gives you a map to your heart. And, and someone said, if you want to find out what's the most important in your life, look at your riches. And the question is, I want to ask you is, what, what, is, what, what, what do you have the easiest time spending money on? What do you have the easiest time spending money on? That'll show you your passion. That'll show you what you truly care about. That's why Jesus talked about this. If you're focused in on things and materialistic things and getting more and getting more, you're you're focused on those things and you're focused on the wrong things. And your body's going to be unhealthy. And and I'm not saying you shouldn't care about... buying a vacation and traveling and buying a boat and having a nice house and having financial goals. I'm not saying that. But when it but when it comes to the kingdom of God and the kingdom of heaven and being the hands and feet of Jesus and seeing his church built and impacting the impacting darkness and seeing the hungry fed, if you're not just full of joy at giving resources, and you're if you're if the ideal of giving and tithing and, and giving above and above and giving in offerings above and beyond the tithe and and reaching and extending the reach of the kingdom, if that's like pulling teeth with you, if that's like, if that hurts really bad and it's painful pill, then how can you say that your heart is truly anchored down to heaven and truly buckled into a foundation? So it's a test. It's a test of what you truly value. It's really not about the money. It's a test of what you value. We test ourselves, and when you test yourselves, you'll locate the true God. And then you can relocate and reallocate assets that actually cause your heart to be shifted into things that are more important, focus, trauma, and pressure. And then these last two words, I'm going to go real carefully, but dilation is all about light. It's all about how much light you're letting come in. We're talking about the light of Jesus Christ, the light of his word. It's all about how much light's coming in. And if I want to see the stars, I want darkness. I I don't want no light to come in. If I want to read the Bible and I want to read that fine print, I need more light. You know what I mean? And that's the same thing spiritually. Spiritually speaking, there's a parallel. God wants to open the eyes of the heart to let more light in. We don't need more light. The light has already come. The light of Jesus is the light of the world. Jesus is right there in your home. Jesus is right there in your apartment. Jesus is right there in your car. But you need to open up your eyes to see what Jesus is in. You need to allow more light to come in. This is not a question of your salvation. This is about letting more light come in. Jesus is there with you. He'll always be there with you. But he wants the l- more light to come in, the love of Jesus to come in, the love of Jesus to sweep over you because Jesus loves you right where you're at. Jesus loves you, he'll always be there. Uh, Jesus loves the people that you're annoyed with <laughs> he loves your boss he you know Jesus wants that light to come in. Let me read you a scripture and then I'll be, I'll be done. I got one more word and I'm going to go through it quickly. Ephesians chapter one verse 17 and 18. Paul prayed this and the father of glory the lord of Je- the, the lord of jesus christ would impart to you the richest the riches of the spirit of wisdom and the spirit of revelation to know him through your deepening intimacy with him this is allowing the light to come in watch this and here we have it i pray that the light of god will illuminate your eyes the eyes of your imagination flooding you with light until you experience the full revelation of the hope of His calling. The question is, are you letting God dilate the pupils of your soul? Are you allowing that light to come in, spending time in his word, spending time with God's people, spending time in worship, spending time at the church, uh, you know, listening to God's word, meditating on God's word, hanging out with God's people? Uh, are you doing the things that will dilate the pupils of your soul so that you can see that there's more to this world, so that you can, so you can look beyond the squiggly lines and see the picture and see the bigger picture behind in the spiritual realm? And the last word is brilliance. Brilliance is intensely brighter. How I many you know? I like to turn the brilliance up on the TV. I want to see brilliance. Psalms thirteen verse three. David said, "Turn the answer. Turn and answer me, O Lord, my God. Restore the sparkle to my eyes, or I will die." See, God doesn't want, to just, he doesn't want to just bring sight to your eyes. God wants to bring that sparkle back to your eyes. God does not want you to walk around with dull, glassed over, blurry eyes. And some, of, some people in churches, they're just like that. They're buckled in, but their eyes are glassed over and they're dull and there's no twinkle there because they're buckled in, but they're not buckled down. God doesn't want your eyes to be flat and dead and faded and chronically tired and and stressed over worry and depressed. God wants your eyes shining through hope, shining with purpose, shining with resolve, the wonder of his passion. He almost wants you to have this mischievous look in your eyes. Y'all know what I'm talking about? God wants you to wake up with that excitement of what's going going to, going to happen today? What's going to go? What is God going to do? What does God have planned for my life today? God wants life to be an adventure. He wants there to be a sparkle in your eyes. And your King Jesus, wants even He even wants to restore the joy of your salvation. He wants life to be like that, to get the sparkle back. And you're like, how do I get that, Pastor? How do I get that? I'm asking for a friend. I need to know how do you get that. Y'all, know, y'all have a friend that wants to know <laughs> uh, because my friend thinks this sounds really good, and my friend's tired of being jaded. My tired ty- friend's tired of being skeptical, and my tired ty- friend is tired of being cynical all the time. How do I get this, Pastor? If somebody wants to come play the keyboard, whoever's doing that, uh, yeah. say, Pastor, I have a friend and my friend's, always, my friend's tired of always assuming the worst is going to happen. My friend's tired of always expecting things to go wrong. My friend's always, he's, just, he's tired of living in the victim mentality. How do I get that? And the answer is, I believe it comes from embracing and f- fully the extravagant love that God has for you. And opening yourselves up. And remember in the fact that God doesn't just love you, God rejoices in you. God rejoiced the day that you gave your gave your heart to Him, and God is going to rejoice. Uh, you know, for some of you, if you do that today, God's going to rejoice. God is God rejoices when you open your heart up to Him. When you, when you God is rejoicing even now for some of you because you're you're going to open. Some of you have already been illuminated. Your eyes, the, the revelation has come on. The light has come on. And God's rejoicing right now. And in a moment, we're going to have a worship experience. And the more you open yourselves up, the more the light of God is going to illuminate in your soul. And God's going to bring that light. And he's going to start turning things on. And things are, darkness is going to start coming on. Because you've opened yourself up to the, extra, the extravagant love that God has for you. It's already happening for some of you. and Some of you are sitting here and you didn't even want it to happen. And It's happening. How do you like that? How do you like them apples? It's the joy that the world can't offer. There's not a politician. There's not a job. There's not a career. No one can offer you a drug. No one can offer you a a paycheck. No one can offer you a vacation. There's not a luxury car that can bring the sparkle in your eyes like Jesus can. I know, I know. I've tried, and it's not just a sparkle that lasts for a year, or lasts for a couple of years, or lasts for a month. This it's it lasts for a lifetime. Even when you're old, even when you're sick, even when you're dying, you can have that sparkle in your eyes. I know people. It's it's been like that. They died with a sparkle in their eyes. Now you're asking, why would why would Jesus want to do that for me? You're looking at your life, maybe I, even as a Christian, and you're saying, you know, I don't think my life is that great for God. I don't, I don't, I, don't, I haven't. Pastor, I feel like I'm spiritually out of focus. you got to remember that God still loves you. There's nothing you can do to change His mind right now. There's nothing you can do to make yourself better. You just come as you are because God loves you. God loves you. Everybody stand with me.